outside the box of religious obligation lies a road less travelled into the heart of the Father's affection. Slinging freedom all over the place, this is the God Well, welcome back, Kyle, to the podcast. We've missed you now, gosh, almost a month you've been away. Been busy, guy? It has been almost a month, and yes, it has been very busy. I did not expect to have the Christmas break that I did. I was very much looking forward to some time with one of my really, really close friends was going to fly out and spend a week with me and was looking forward to holidays with my family. And that trajectory got changed up a little bit. My wife had surgery. She had some a hand surgery on the 15th of December. And then um, both Eliana and Evie came down with what seemed like flu bugs and Evie had a fever and was kind of thrown up and not feeling well for a couple of days. And then she kicked that L did not. And if any of you have ever encountered my oldest daughter, she is very vibrant with life, uh, high energy, moving a lot, constantly in conversation, loves just moving. And she was on bed rest from the, 20th of December until the 10th of January when we finally figured out what was going on and got released. We took her into the first round of doctors on December 26th and finally got an accurate diagnosis that her appendix had ruptured either the 22nd or the 23rd of December. And that would have been on the 31st of December. So about a week late. About a week late. Um <laughs> There was there was a couple points over this holiday break where I wasn't sure whether I was going to be scheduling the the discharge and my daughter returning home or scheduling the funeral for my four year old daughter. Wow. So it was it was a very intense holiday break. We ended up at Denver Children's Hospital and were there and thankfully got a phenomenal surgeon that was able to really go in orthoscopically and be able to help her out, which was incredible. Um, but in a four-day period, we were in four hospitals, saw five doctors, and had two flight for lives in a in a four-day period. So it was it was pretty intense. She's got some flight time in. She's got some flight time in. She <laughs> okay. does. Yes, um, and she's got some great pictures. And she came home with a literal zoo of of stuffed animals. I don't know what we're gonna do with them all. We barely were able to fit them all in the car. So that was. That was interesting. Um, but everybody's recovering now and doing well? Yes. She's home. She had her first post-surgery checkup uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so that that went well. They are considering putting her on another round of pretty high-powered antibiotics just to make sure that any residual infection or reoccurring infection that might be trying to come back, that they're able to get ahead of it and be able to take it out. But they didn't see any signs of reoccurring infection. And they the doctors here in Sheridan were very encouraged by just what they are seeing in her activity level and just in the healing of the incisions and movement, that kind of thing. So great to hear. So honestly, yeah, it was oof. It, it was a Yeah, I could tell in our exchanges that things were really tense and you weren't sure if this little girl was gonna make it through everything that Particularly not having an accurate diagnosis for a while. That's really it's watch your little girl suffer and hurt yeah. and not know why. It's brutal. I do like her approach to pain medication though in the hospital. 
<laughs> Go ahead and share that no, one. No, it's your story. You tell that story. I thought it was hilarious because I I know oh. Elle and I know how um, let's say uh, perseverant she can be. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's one way to put it. Precocious, uh, adamant would be another one. But no, she so she started. It was an indication that was she was starting to feel better in the hospital. One of the nurses was trying to get her to take her pain medication, and she did not like the flavor that this nurse was offering to her. And so the nurse was explaining, no, this is going to help you with your pain. This is going to help you feel a, little, a lot better. And my just four-year-old daughter looks back at this professional nurse and says, I'll take my pain, thank you. And refused to take the Tylenol because she did not want that flavor of pain medication. So that's my daughter. <laughs> yes, I'll take the pain. I'm good. Wow. Bless her heart. That personifies her so well, though. Um, How does she come out of all this? Do you think there's some residual stuff with her with pain and just being contained in a bed for eons? Is she, I don't know how to say it, but. Yeah, there's there will be some. There'll be some residual stuff there. She, we, I've been doing some just kind of play with her and allowing her to invite me into whatever kind of play that she wants to do. And, and the other day she wanted to play doctor and she, when she was in the hospital, they got her this whole doctor set with syringes and a stethoscope and all these different things. And, and so she had daddy lay down on the bed and prop daddy up and, put the a band around my arm and then was drawing fluids but before she was drawing the fluids she flushed the iv line and hmm. so she she knew a lot more about procedure on hospital management than i think most four-year-olds should but oh, we hear about 13 year olds going to med school i've never heard of a four-year-old <laughs> <laughs> seriously yeah. i mean it well and she she just really has kind of a personality that I think would be very good in the medical field anyway. We've just, and I've always chuckled about that. And so it'll be interesting to see if that impacts her in the future, as far as career uh, interest goes, that kind of thing. It'll be interesting, but there's definitely going to be some residual mental health stuff that we're going to create space for and make sure that she has an avenue to be able to process that and be able to work through some of those things we've seen some flights of anger we've seen frustration we've seen her trying to take back her own sense of autonomy and control for sure so those have been some things that we've definitely noticed her she's been having a hard time reintegrating with her sister and sharing with her sister because that's i mean she was the focus of attention for over a month and so that's been a interesting challenging reintegration there but just so incredibly proud of her and the courage that she had. And it's, it's because of her incredible strength and resilience and that, no, I'll take my pain. Thank you very much. Personality that in large part, I would say had a lot to do with just her being able to make it through this and the condition that she did. Well, I'm sure glad she made it through and everything's good. And your wife's healing up their hands and welcome to 2024. Yeah. Kyle, happy new year. <laughs> welcome to 2024. And it's, it's so interesting because I, every year I try to just kind of journal and pray and meditate and hold some things before the Lord. And, and I always ask father for a theme, like, Lord, what, 
you know, what theme do you have in mind for this, for the 2024 year or, you know, whatever year it is. And, and it's so intriguing because the word refreshing or refreshment has come up numerous times in this 2024 for this 2024 year, which has been really intriguing to me. And I was processing with a good friend the other day about just this experience and and I was talking to him about community and the response and the level of support that Jess and I and the girls experienced over this last month. And I have to say, Wayne, I probably have been in tears more because of the kindness and the care and the love and the refreshment that I've experienced from the community that Jess and I have than, than the fear of losing my daughter. I don't know how else to say that. It it's weird to think that I could experience a deep refreshing in the middle of in the middle of that level of uncertainty and and fear of you know is is this the last day that I'm going to see my four year old daughter on this earth and and exhaustion from driving to Denver and back how many times yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah we I drove. For the people who are familiar with the geography, I drove from my hometown where my parents live to Casper, which is almost three hours. And then the next day drove to Denver and then drove back and forth to Denver and my parents home twice. Just, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, exhaustion is an understatement. <laughs> so. uh, well, welcome to the new year. Hope there's a lot more refreshing coming your way and a lot less strenuous circumstances for sure. That, that would be ideal. I would appreciate that. <laughs> well, I'm Wayne Jacobson. And I'm Kyle Rice. And we're going to welcome you to this edition of the God Journey. First one for Kyle this year. We got into a bit of a conversation about agreeing with God without you, Kyle, but hadn't planned it that way. You have. I've been loving it, though. I've, I was able to go and I've listened to the first one that you did. I'm on my, I think this would be my fourth time that I've listened to it. And listen to the one that you and Bob did and then was able to be a part of the, the after party and the conversation that was taking place there. And after show, there was no party, just an after show. (laughs) It was a party. It was a great party. There was a lot of great conversation and, and dialogue and input. It was, I would say it was a party. Okay. I guess because I was feeling responsible. I didn't feel like it was a party, but (laughs) that's fair. That's fair. I can appreciate that. Good conversation though. I agree with that. And we'll link it here if you didn't get a chance to hear it and uh, you want to catch it on uh, Facebook feed, we'll include a link. Yeah, I there are so many different just thoughts and questions that I have as as I've listened to it a few times and kind of processed through it. And I think I have to agree with Bob for sure that one of the things that initially really was encouraging, inspiring worship motivating was listening to the three years that you and this group of individuals have been walking through agreeing with God and just that journey that you've been on and listening to a synopsis of what has come out of those three years, the ways that it's impacted you and I's friendship, the conversations we've been having, the way that it's overflowed into my life and it's impacted my community and the people that I, I mean, to have all those different things come out and just to hear that in a, in a concise consolidated synopsis was awesome. That, that was the first thing that really stood out to me. Cool. 
I love the trajectory of that as I went back through all these old journals and I, I didn't do it for the podcast. I just did it for myself yeah. and kind of the conversation went with these people and the prayers. And there's some things happening that made me go, okay, I want to know how we got here again. Yeah. And to see things hinted at here that months later bear fruit in a way that we wouldn't have conceived of it. And how it's just kind of seems to be peeling onion layers off and just going deeper, deeper into our hearts. That's been, it was fun for me to go back and do that. I had a very tender day just working through my journals. And then just when you, when we couldn't do a podcast and I thought, well, maybe I'll just try and share some of this uh, off the cuff, not even scripted and um, blessed by how easily and clearly it seemed to come out. I think it was intriguing just the the level of connection that that father was able to interlace in that. And I think one of the things that I loved so much about it and, and being a part of it and having watched it be lived out, the difference between trying to manufacture an outcome. So, right, like you get this nudge, you get this sense from father or, or this direction. And you're like, okay, we're going to run with this. This is what we're going to make it happen. And, and I know like in my earlier days of walking with father, that was very much my bend of like, okay, I'm going to figure out where this is going to go or, yeah. or how this is going to manifest in the world. Right. And yet to, to live out of rest, love and play enough to where you're able to sit there and be able to enjoy it and hear those nudges to hear those inclinations but not have an urgency to figure out what they mean or how they're going to unfold in the world, but to allow them, allow father to unfold them and allow them to come to pass in the right timing. And then to see where you did land and how they did manifest in the world and how that wasn't what you would have expected in a lot of ways. And yet it was almost more intentional and more of a blessing than even if you would have crafted it the way that it initially came across. Does that make sense? Well, sure. And it would have been goofy if we'd have crafted it. I, mean, I think the old days, seriously, <laughs> that that we would go on a journey like this. And of course, it was just a dozen or so of us. And it was, if this just turns out to be fruitless, we just chuck it. So there was no pressure on it. We weren't organizing yeah. an event for others to come to. So we didn't have outcomes. We didn't have to have anything. And it was just God's asking us to do something. We have no idea what it is to do. And so rather than make it up in our heads and try and achieve something for us, we decided, okay, let's just go on a journey here, a God journey, and see yeah. what it would mean to stand with God against the delusion that's in the world. Really helped that we had not a clue what that meant. Still don't. I, I think we're maybe, yeah. you know, 10 steps down a trail uh, in three years. So, so we're very speedy people. But so one of the things that came up for me, and I, I would love your kind of thoughts on this, is in the in the after show, you were talking a little bit about the the veil being pulled back and about as as you guys have been walking through this and as you've been navigating this experience with Father, it's felt like there's been times where that veil has been slowly getting pulled back more and there's some more clarity or or the picture is le a little less fuzzy, if that makes sense. And one of the things that I was really intrigued by is when I hear people talk about veils being removed, often I hear a process of them dealing with that because there's this, this is this experience of the truth. There's a, as that, as that veil is pulled back, there's this incredible encounter with a deeper experience of truth or love or what, whatever might be coming more clearly in focus as father's pulling that veil back. 
But there's different stages that I've seen in reaction to that. At, some, at times there's awe, there's amazement, there's joy, there's worship. But then there's also can be frustration or resentment or anger or a swing to the other side of the pendulum, right? Like where there's this clarity that's come. And so then we swing way hard in that direction instead of allowing Father to keep us kind of in the middle ground of walking through that. Would you say that you or the, any of the members of the group have experienced any of that kind of stuff as as some of the veil has been pulled back? Has there been varying stages of navigating the things that you've seen, like different emotional reactions to navigating the things that you've seen in that? Or has it been more just like, this is cool, like, great, Father. (laughs) What has been the emotional climate as as the veil has been pulled back a little bit? Yeah, and I don't know that we've applied the veil to us. We've applied the veil as the delusion in the world, and that's only lifted in Christ, the whole idea of how do you make somebody see something that they're not seeing? How do you convince yeah. somebody of a delusion? And so really, that ha- that language has more come from, okay, w- whatever God wants us to do, we don't have the power to make, because we've all tried with friends and people we love to just say, maybe that what you're saying God's about, maybe that's not what God's about. And it's not been received well. So I, yeah. I don't know that we've applied a lot to us, but the, the emotional trajectory of the folks in this journey, I think, has been one of real open-handedness. I haven't detected frustration or anger. We hold things very loosely. People see stuff. and then, But that trajectory that I kind of laid out was more, what's the themes that have recurred? There's a lot of individual meeting themes that just kind of, this came up, we talked about it, it was fruitful in someone's life, but not necessarily part of the larger trajectory God was inviting us on. So I yeah. haven't noted anger, haven't known anybody kind of slingshotting to some far thing. I think the fact that we're doing it corporately uh, has yeah. kind of mitigated some of the extreme reactions, and we've just walked through it together. And there's been deep emotion, there's been pain, but not from each other. Pain yeah. for what we see in the world, God's pain, carrying some of that, our own mind from the journey I've had through the same three years have been the greatest upheaval in my personal life, not only with Sarah, but other situations. So all of that's kind of gone together. I think for God, there's been this, I don't even say desperation, it's not our, just hunger for God to, okay, what do you want us to see next? What's mm. next? And there's been very much, uh, I'll go back to that same word, desperation, a lack of desperation. We're not white knuckling in a prayer time yeah. to get God to do. It has really been just relaxed. Is there anything we're seeing right now? Uh, and somebody begins to share something and someone else begins to share. And then it's like jigsaw puzzle pieces coming together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know there's been a lot of negative emotion or rapturous joy either. It's just been yeah. pretty even keel. Has there been any, because you talk about these two experiences of of desperation, right? They're like you're not desperate, you're not white knuckling it, that type of thing. But there's also like this maybe hunger or longing or for more, for just God to continue to unfold that that space. How do you deal with the tension of that hunger, that longing, without without it creating any kind of sense of urgency or that need to white knuckle or that need to try to speed up the timeline, right? Because I feel like in a lot of the 
charismatic revivals that I either I've been a part of or that I've observed from a distance. There's like this fever of we've got to keep making this move forward. We've got to keep up the momentum. Once this momentum is started, there's this like this need for, yes, we want more, but then there's almost this thing of like, well, we've got to keep the flame really going and we've got to keep, you know, have you guys encountered any of that? Has that been present at all? Or how, do, how have you kept that as not being a part of this dialogue or this space? Yeah. And I don't know we've done either of those, like trying to keep it out or whatever. I, I think from the yeah. beginning, that love, rest, and play was such a significant part of, okay, we'll see best when we're relaxed and not, not desperate. And we've also had a sense that God's the one controlling this process. And I think we had more people, like, like if you're doing a meeting and you've got people traveling to come to see something, keeping that fire alive and up in the ante. And I mean, those are, I think those are very human crowd dynamics, whether you're doing a concert or you're doing a prayer thing or trying to host a revival or whatever. I think there's very human things we do that got to amp it up, got to, you know, that's very human and maybe very well intentioned, but does yeah. lead to very manipulative environments. And because it's just been 10, 12 of us, there's been no need. There's not, there's no need to draw a crowd. We've had yeah. three people were part of that that decided this wasn't fitting for them and dropped out, and that was fine. We added someone a little bit later. So it's been kind of a really relaxed process. I haven't cared as maybe the one that facilitates it. I haven't cared if there's two or three there or 10 or 12. It's It's just been whatever this process is, God's in control of it. I can't make it go faster, so I don't even want to try. I'm just, I want to be as open as I can be and listening as intently as I can listen. But I don't think there's anything that I'm going to do or the group's going to do that moves it forward faster or slows it down. I don't think there's any sense that we're in control of it. I So switching topics a little bit, because we the something that came up in in the conversation that was going on in the after show and well and i think in the in the initial podcast too where you were talking about and kind of hinting at this thing that you're exploring as far as the end of days and and the book that you're kind of toying with and you know information or knowledge or like words of wisdom for the end of days type thing i would love your feedback on this why why do so many people think that God is almost going to have like a bipolar personality shift when the end times come, when the end days or the end time or the end season comes. I feel like a lot of people, at least for me anyway, and a lot of the dialogue that I heard growing up about the end days or end times was like God was this person of love and this person of passion of grace. But then all of a sudden he's going to go through this like personality change and he's going to become like the warrior that's got the that's wearing the robe dipped in blood and he's going to come and just smite everybody and it's going to be warfare and it's going to be destruction and it's going to be just this mass chaos and and i'm like oh okay like i'm so confused by that like why would god have a bipolar personality swap if even in the last days if that was the case doesn't his character remain true? Won't his personality remain true? And I, I would that came up as as we were talking about that. And I would love to hear your feedback on it. Now I know why you're so quiet at the after show. You were just taking notes for things like this. Oh, I was yeah. taking notes. Absolutely. <laughs> in, yes, going, I was. Come on, join us for this. Um, <laughs> yes, I was. 
I think my view of that has very much shifted because I think the bipolar thing we see God at the end of the age and most of the religious upbringing we've had is very similar to the God of the Old Testament, which is a very mm-hmm. vengeful God, right? And yes. he's got a clean house and and then Jesus comes along. He's not like that at all. So then we go, okay, we got this uh, dispensation of grace, but then that's going to go away at some point. And here comes the angry God. And when you start talking about the end of times, yeah, the people's innate reaction is terror. It's absolute fear. Yeah. And I think that's why I want to write this thing. And it, it I, I feel like I finally have a title for this little project. I'm going to call it What If. And it's, huh. it's not like, hey, the end of the age is coming, but what if we're living in that? What if? And what would we want to know and be aware of? And it's not a Hal Lindsey, look at the prophecies and get a date and time. It's none of that kind of stuff at all. But it kind of gets to whether we come at these things in love, rest, and play and trust at who God is and what he's doing, or do we come at it terrified of horrible? Because it, it seems to indicate there's catastrophic things going to happen at the end of the age. I, I yeah. do think that has to do more with humanity than God. It's it's you know, as things come to a crisis point, uh, then God has to intervene to rescue us. I think it's more that kind of thing rather than God's the one precipitating the crisis. And I, as Sarah and I are freshly reading Revelation, we're kind of seeing it in a very different slant. What it's meant to encourage in us is not date picking and is this, what if this is, and if it's not, why wouldn't we want to live that way anyway, in the kind of faith and resilience that the end of the age might require of us? if we happen to be that generation. And I may be writing a, a, the book for, you know, 10 generations down the road and somebody yeah. will find it on the internet or something. I have no idea. Um, but I have the sense that there's some things about God in our journey that we've missed about, particularly the end of age. Like if I was in a home and there was chaos going on and intruders had come in and was ruining my dad's farm or whatever, and I'm a kid, and I hear, hey, dad's coming home. I'm not terrified by that, right? Yeah. It's about freaking time, dad, get here and straighten this thing out. So I think the people who know him uh, don't need all that vengeful father coming blast and hide. They want a rescuer to come. We, we are about to totally ruin the creation. And I don't mean just with climate issues. I mean, polarization in uh, humanity against humanity, the warfare. And uh, if it's not this time, then there's got to be even a redemption in this time for us to go on. I mean, there's even concern in the scientific community of the existential threats that face humanity for the next 100, 150 years. So it's not, it's not like just a a Christian thing, maybe the time is now and we've found the date in the numerology of scripture. But just it seems that things are coming to a head for one reason or another. Well, and I, I really like the idea that you proposed in the after show about the the loving father coming to set things right. Like when when I had initially heard that idea, it it was not from the lens of a loving father that is is passionate about his beloved. That was not the lens that I had. I had very much the, you know, the left behind series imagery and the angry father imagery and all that kind of thing. That was my idea. But but the idea of that longing, honestly, of God, our world has been in such desperate need of 
a overwhelming outpouring of your love and your healing and your rest and your love and your play in in this space it desperately needs it like that's that's what when you were talking about creation groaning Mm -hmm. for the return yeah that sounds like a return that i would be groaning for that i'd be longing for that i would be desperate for is this I, i mean to not have my daughter have to go through the incredible amount of pain that she went through and the fear that she went through as she's getting needle after needle after needle poked into her Mm. and tubes hanging off of her. I mean that like as a dad, it was like, I, I do not a, I do not want her to have to go through that period. And B, if she's going to go through that, then you better get out of the way. If you are an incompetent doctor, because I'm going to get the absolute best people I can to save my daughter's life. And so just that that I'm going to protect, that I want to come in, that I want to see all things put right for my daughter in a loving way, not in a not in an unkind way. And largely, it's not against flesh and blood. Hmm. You know, it, I don't hold any malice towards the doctors that missed it. You know, did they miss it? Yes, they did. Did that potentially threaten my daughter's life? Yes, it did. But they're also human. It's not like I'm raging every night about, oh, my gosh, they're so incompetent at their job. No, not at all. But there is something that we are, again, there's there's a brokenness, there's a shattering, there's a a non-kingdom force that is definitely present in waging war against the beloved. And that is what, it, that is what we're at war with, not the, not the people that are around us and not the, I don't know. And just humanity as a whole, not just the beloved, yes. but humanity, period. The, humanity, the, the destruction. Yes. I think many of us think about the second coming of the Lord, like when we were getting in trouble with our, our family siblings, and mom says, you just wait till your dad gets home. That That's the kind of way we kind of think, oh, okay. But the idea is coming to rescue. Someone sent me a link, one of the God Journey listeners, and I'll, I'll link it here too, because it's a, it's a powerful song. It's an old guy on a guitar singing, come Jesus, come. We've waited so long. And just the the pain on his face while he sings this. And I, I, I played about 15 times in a row just because it was, I mean, I, I was weeping because I was seeing it not just from our side of, oh, poor us, Jesus, come and rescue us. I was seeing it from God's side. Like, man, I, I want my children to welcome me to come. I want to, I can't stand to watch what humanity's going through. And I know everyone has, we've always thought, well, if God can't stand it, why doesn't he just fix everything? He is. It's just not in the way that we've been accustomed to doing it. So this whole gazing yeah. with God thing has been now, I'm hearing that song through God's ears a little bit, not the egocentric, self-centric, how is this going to impact me? But what, what is God feeling when he looks at, just like you would look at your daughter, and we're not getting to the right diagnosis, and we're going to find what sets this thing right, that's our Father's passion. And it's not about vengeance for humanity. A lot of the dialogue I'm having, I've got pages of notes here and blog posts from people talking about the vengeance part of this, because that's what we've been trained to think. God is this God of, you know, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, which is Paul, quoting Moses from the sea, from uh, the Red Sea Song of Triumph or whatever. And I'm thinking, you know what? Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Which always to me was, okay, God's going to get vengeance. He's going to repay the evildoer. And yet in my life, I've rarely seen the evildoer get repaid. 
Yeah. Now it may be happening in ways I can't see, but I I yeah. do not see that that's true. So then I'm wondering, because Jesus doesn't come with any vengeance. So that's kind of like, okay, now what do we do about that? And then maybe vengeance is mine. Here's where I have seen God work, where people have betrayed me, defrauded to me, lied about me. God has come and repaid what others have taken from me. And in many cases, over the scripture in Joel about I'll I'll replace what the locusts ate and what the, you know, devoured. So it's maybe the I will repay isn't, I'm going to get those guys as bad as you want me to get those guys. It fits your anger. But don't take, don't go down the vengeance road. I've got an article I'm working on where somebody went down the vengeance road in a very deluded and they had every reason to be vengeful. They were definitely wronged by someone. But yeah. instead of finding that space inside of God, which says, I'm not going to take vengeance here. I'm going to let God repay me. And I've seen God do that wherever someone has cheated me, hurt me, betrayed me. God has filled in that space, much like Joseph saying what you intended for evil, God has worked for good. And that's the promise I know is true. Not that God's going to get my enemy or get the person who hurt me, because that doesn't do anything for me. The egocentric part of me that wants somebody to suffer as much as they've made me suffer, that may get to something in me. But the reality of redemption for them or me is not served by vengeance. It's served by wisdom and redemption and opened eyes and broken hearts and repentance. And it's served by so much of a different process. So I think that does shift how we look at the second coming. We've looked at very much like, okay, I'm coming to clean house finally, instead of, no, no, I'm coming to rescue my people. I'm coming to rescue them from themselves, for a lot of it, and from darkness as well. Well, the hard part I have been wrestling with in regards to vengeance lately is the waterfall of pain, right? The, the, okay, I've got this person in my life that, that hurt me or inflicted these wounds, or I experienced this trauma from. And, and so, but then if you default to that next person, it's like, okay, what, what pain and trauma and wounds and horrible things were done to them and that waterfall of pain mm -hmm. that goes back through the generations. And again, it's like thinking about, I mean, does that dismiss the horrible things that are done to us? Absolutely not. No, I'm not dismissing or discrediting that by any means. I've just been wrestling with this waterfall of pain in regards to know that the wound goes deep and it started it started at that fall and it what it started when in in the garden is where that whole dialogue started and yet i'm wrestling with that especially in the context of of sin and separation and you know even the dialogue that you and i've been having lately about that and i don't know where that's going to lead i'm just holding that kind of lightly and saying okay father i have no idea where you're going to take that but it's just it's impacted the way that i see people and the way that i even and working with the people that I have felt wronged me or the people that I have felt there was, there was ill deeds that were done to me, the lens is shifting again in Good. that regard. Because the perpetuation of pain doesn't do anything for anybody. You know, Correct. So somebody hurts me, so I hurt them back, and no one ever feels even. So they're going to have to hurt yeah. me again, and I'm going to have to hurt them back. And it, somebody in that chain has to stop and say, vengeance will never achieve justice. And I think vengeance is mostly driven by, in the best sense, the passion for justice. 
Yeah. But justice is never served by vengeance. It doesn't restore what was lost. It, it can't. I look at that with Israel and Gaza, one of the most provocative things I heard last month that I've got here on my, <laughs> my thing is from a Christian Palestinian pastor in Gaza. Ooh. And okay. he taped a Christmas sermon titled Christ in the Rubble, and I'll link it on this the bottom of this thing too, in case you want to hear it. Here's a quote from, here's the quote that I thought was the most provocative thing. They send us bombs while celebrating Christmas in their land. They think about the Prince of Peace in their land while playing the drama of war in our land. Speaking of American Christians. And I, you know, the what Hamas did to Israel on October 7th is as atrociously horrible as anything could be done to it. Yeah. And now Israel has, I think, incredibly overreached, going, we're going to make sure this never happens again, and so we're going to go. And there are 20,000 people that, by guesses, have been slaughtered, many of those children who had nothing to do with the Hamas attack. It would be like if someone was taken hostage by the mafia or a gang in my neighborhood, and they hit him in some basement, and the military or the police can't find that basement. So what we're going to do is bomb every house one at a time until we find that. And we're going to destroy thousands of innocent victims because all Palestinians are not Hamas. Hamas is a horrible terrorist organization. Granted, Israel is trying to create an environment that is completely risk-free going forward. And that environment doesn't exist in a broken world. You cannot provide it for yourself against any crime being done to you. You cannot put enough measures in place to quench evil by human force. You can't. And the attempt to do it, this, the cry of this pastor is, you don't care. If Christ were born today, he'd be born in the rubble of Gaza. That's what he says. And that's going to defend our American sensibilities, which, well, okay, Israel's on the side of God. And... Because we've so dehumanized the Palestinian in many quarters in America, in our, in our support for Israel, which I'm supportive of Israel. I've, I've been there. I've taken people there. I, it's not that I don't support Israel. But somebody's got to say, I'm, what I'm afraid of is now the, the world is going to turn on Israel. Because vengeance, vengeance, and this has been going on since... Abraham tried to take Palestine, <laughs> right? Tried to take it yeah. there. And then... Islam comes in in 800s AD, and this tit for tat, we're going to make it square finally. That's the human endeavor. And you hope the right party gets in power and is able to do that. But the fact is, it never brings justice and it never brings peace. And I think that's true in human relationships as well. That's why yeah. we're not left here going, oh, you know, we've got a good human plan to resolve evil in the world and make everybody kumbaya and, you know, let the, give peace a chance. And we're, we've tried to get there. We got as close as we could possibly get in the 70s and 80s, perhaps. But man, we're a long ways from it now. The darkness of the human heart, what it's willing to do to other humans, not, not just war and battle in Middle East and yeah. all that stuff, but also Ukraine, also in families. Look at all the political yeah. tension. I get this email a lot when we start talking about a little bit of the politics behind some of this thing, is how many families have been divided over political affiliation, or people don't even talk to each other anymore oh, yeah. because Correct. you didn't agree with me, so you're wrong and you're deluded and you're an idiot. And I, so <laughs> that's why my heart says, oh, Jesus, come, Jesus, come. Yes. We've been waiting so long. So I don't, how are we doing on time? Got about two minutes. Okay. Well, 
I was going to say that I think we may have to really dive into this uh, on a deeper level the next time that we're talking, but where does spiritual warfare come into play with this? Because, you know, I, you talked a little bit on your, in your first podcast about, you know, how the January 6th, and that was a, well, yeah, let's do spiritual warfare in two minutes or less. Nah, not, not going to do it though. Kyle and I did go on and talk through that and a whole nother podcast worth. So we'll save all that for next week and include you where we can take a breath and have some more time. I do think there's a lot here for us to chew on. And I like in these series of podcasts that we're kind of involved in right now, I love the amount of ruminating that's going on out there. Let me just read a couple of emails before we go. I love what Mary wrote on the blog. She said, the podcast was like a pillow of understanding something to softly lean into and allow me to ponder some of the many questions about the way things have eventuated and the resulting distraction. I tell you what, that's the best you can hope for. And anything we talk about is that it just ruminates, that we get a chance to hold space that don't make determinations right away. It's a lot of truth we've all rejected at the first because we didn't like it, didn't sound right, wouldn't make us comfortable. There's times when truth settles in over time, if we can keep our hearts open. Linda wrote this on the blog as well, and didn't want to make sure you missed it. It says this, loved your podcast, have been walking with the group in much the same way as you're describing, and finding unbelievably fascinating facets of God. It's so humbling to think of the glory being revealed as God draws us through the depravity of man in us, and then redeems it, and sits us at his right hand to be the sons and daughters of God. That is amazing. She said, it's that love that's motivating my heart to learn from God how to so love the world, believing that this love can penetrate the delusion. Well, I guess we'll let that do it for today. Thank you for joining us on the God Journey. Your presence is always welcome, as is your communications. We're enjoying the conversation on the blog, so don't miss it there. It's time to just go check the podcast out and then... Read through what some other folks are sharing, because there's some really, really good stuff to go on there. And then Kyle and I will come back next week and talk about spiritual warfare. Thank you for traveling with us today on The God Journey. You can join this conversation by visiting thegodjourney.com. 